Hey, this is Gengar Greasy, and you're listening to the Poke Tower Podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode 117 of the Poke Tower Podcast. I'm your host, Gengar Greasy. If you're new here, this is a collectibles and trading cards podcast. We talk about Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon, Dragon Ball, Digimon. And today, maybe more. I don't know if you saw the thumbnail. Um, there may be more to today's show, and that is based on your guys' feedback and what you wanted to see from this podcast, how we can make it better, how we can grow and learn more and become better collectors. So stay tuned for that if you caught a picture of the thumbnail. Um, what do we got going on this week? Oh, the Pokey Tower Fantasy Football League concluded this past weekend, um, congrats to our champion, uh, <laughs> fantasy champion, Poke Tower fantasy champion. His name's Nick. He's had multiple names on the Discord. I want to say he was future fantasy champ at one time. Then he was just Nick Palmen Meats. I can't even remember his original name. He's changed his name so many times. But uh, he took he took first place, um, beating our previous champion, uh, Sam, aka Bilbo. Um, they went at it in the championship round, and then I played Josh, who is Nick's brother, in the uh, third and fourth place qualifier, um, and I beat Josh. So we got Nick at first place, Sam at second, myself at third, and Josh at fourth. Everyone else is uh, rendered irrelevant. So <laughs> congrats, everyone. It's a fun season. Hopefully we can do it again next year. I'm, I'm sure we will. Um, but yeah, it was fun. That just concluded. The other update... Um, our Pokemon Scarlet and Violet battles have been just popping off recently. And this week starts our Terror in the Tower Championship. Um, so this is a pay-per-view matchup. Uh, Volt and JT will be battling each other in the championship round. I have two battles. No one else has two battles. I got two battles. Uh, and then we have, I think, Chase and Chris rematch. There's a lot of stuff going on in the Discord. And that's where I was going with this. So if you want to be a part of these extracurricular activities that we have in the Discord, right, just join. It's absolutely free. Uh, you can join by sending me an email at thepokytowerpodcast at gmail.com or search for the Poke Tower Discord. Come join. It's in all the links in every video. Uh, you can join and uh, get in on the gaming, get in on the football stuff. I believe we're doing a, um, a playoff uh, pick'ems uh, bracket, so that'll be fun. Uh, we may even be doing the Super Bowl squares later on this year. We do a lot of fun stuff. So if you're into that, you need some friends, come hang out. Um, it gets a little rowdy in there, but it is what it is, right? We're all just having a good time. Um, that's all I got for the intro today. Lots of new information. Here we go. Let's get started off with the Battle Royale this week. <laughs> TCG Battle Royale, our segment where we talk about Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh!, Dragon Ball, and Digimon, and we rate their four most recent booster releases. Um, just gives us an insight on where the market is at week to week, and then obviously it changes when we get a new booster release. So uh, here we go. Number one this week. I'm keeping Silver Tempest at number one. 
Um, we do see a little bit of red in a few categories. I'll touch on that. The case prices are up to $739.99. That is up a significant amount from last week. We have box prices at $119, which I think is down about $7 from last week. Last week, we saw $126, $127. And then the top four cards in the set, you're at $313.95. Small drops here and there. Lugia is still floating around $180 to $200, which is what I had predicted when the set dropped. Remember, he was around like $400. I was like, hey, don't be surprised. We see $180. Man, what do you know? He's there. Um, we got 11 cards in the set that break the $15 price point. Unfortunately, they're all, um, besides that trainer gallery right there, they're all secret rares, alt arts, things of that nature. Um, the Serena is the only full art trainer that I think is on that level. Okay. Number two this week. Going with Dragon Ball Super Fighter's Ambition. And it may, it may creep into number one here pretty soon. Uh, case price. You're at $1,099, uh, basically $1,100. Box price is also up. So, and I mean, look at that, $112 for a Dragon Ball Super Box. Pretty darn good. We usually see them float from as low as $54 up to like the maybe the 80s, but very rarely do they go 90 plus. That usually tells you you got a pretty good set. Uh, top four cards in the set come out to $658.88, and there are eight cards in the set that break the $15 price point. That's what scares me about this set. There's not a lot going on for it besides that Gohan. However, that's the big part. However, this is the only Gohan card of its kind. It's kind of a big deal. It may have the power to kind of carry a terrible set because it, it is, in fact, a Gohan. Top three character in, in the franchise, in my opinion. All right. Moving on to number three, you got... Yu-Gi-Oh! Battle of Legends, Crystal Revenge. Case price, $739. Box price down to $60. That's a drop from last week. Top four cards in the set, also down, $1475. Uh, and you have 11 cards in the set that break the $15 price point. What I don't like is that they're all Starlights. Uh, I think there's one secret rare that makes it above that $15 price point. Oh, man. Um... There's just not a lot going for it, you know? I mean, Access Code Talker, that's a great card if you're in the game. But other than that, you know, for, for most collectors, you know, they want that Exodia and that's it. And that may be, that may be where you go. You just, you get, you get the, the Exodia, the Forbidden One, you get the head and then that's it. Maybe you don't even go for the arms and the legs. I don't know. Um, but when you talk about what Dragon Ball's got going and what Pokemon's got going on, it, it falls to number three. You're just not hearing a lot about it. It's pretty crazy. Number four, Digimon Draconic Roar. This is EX3. Um, case price, $674.99. That's down. Box prices are up to $59.98, so just above wholesale. Not bad. Uh, top four cards in the set, $133.79. That's down from last week. And then four cards in the set that break the $15 price point. This is pretty sad. You got two secrets and two alts in there. Um, it's tough. Digimon needs to do something. I was looking at the Digimon news. I didn't see a lot on the horizon um so they, they gotta figure it out um but that is it for the battle royale this week you got silver tempest at one dragon ball fighters ambition at number two crystal revenge number three for Yu-Gi-Oh, and number four digimon draconic roar all right moving into some pokemon news this week here we go who's that pokemon all right oops i'm sorry about that here we go 
I need a cameraman. Okay. This week uh, for Pokemon, we got the art rares um, being featured in Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. So the art rares was a new type of rarity that they are that they kind of, they brought in to um, Crown Zenith. I forget the Japanese name, um, but that that set where they brought in this art rare, and now they're bringing them into Scarlet and Violet, which is good because I wasn't seeing a whole lot. You know, I was really happy that we have Scarlet Violet EX. I think it's a nice start for the franchise. Very basic. Also, uh, you know, throwback. So it kind of lures in some old heads like, hey, we got EX. We got this, you know, old look on a new style. Like, very cool thing. Um, but now we got art rares for Scarlet and Violet. Let me see if I can pull that up for you guys real quick. <laughs> Uh, where is my, here we go. What's going on? There it is. All right. So here's the art rares. They were, they're returning to Scarlet and Violet EX. And, uh, the art rares, special art rares will be returning. We said this already. The rarities are first introduced in V-Star universe. Okay. There you go. Uh, also the Gardevoir line tells a story in the same vein. Okay. A little bit of a story going on with the art rares. I'm not too concerned with that. I just, I just think they look great. So um, the sets were released in Japan on the 20th. We'll get our sets uh, end of March, early April. And here's just a quick look at them. Uh, slope, what the? Slowpoke, Slowpoke looks really nice. Um, don't really care. I mean, this is still really nice. Like, I feel like this is the standard going forward for Pokemon. They have to do this to keep up with what everyone else is doing. It's just, that's just my opinion. Uh, these are great looking cards. So these are art rares. Here's the Gardevoir story. You got your Ralts, Perlia, Gardevoir. I'm, they're aging with their trainer. That's kind of cool. Uh, I like that. I wouldn't collect it, but it's cool. Um, this is what I, I like this one a lot. So you got a Houndstone there, um, on a Gengar carpet, you know, he's got ghosts all around him. Um, Ghastly, Shuppet, Drifloom. This is a nice looking card. You know, you even got the Bannet chilling right here. Um, I like this. This is a really cool looking card. This is something that I would actually get. Uh, <clears throat> Riolu, lifting the weights. That's, he's also destroyed the room. That's cool. I like that. Alucha, um, not much. But the, these art rares is what I wanted to touch on today. Very good looking cards. I don't know if there's any other information. Yeah, they just go through their regular stuff here. Um, but yeah, there you go. Scarlet Violet getting some art rares. That's good. I think the set needed some flair. And uh, I could potentially see this one being a big deal. I, I really do. I think for s s something weird with the Pokemon card community, like the Pokemon card community, a lot of people like ghost type Pokemon. They like to be spooky, right? They think they're spooky. So anyways, um, Great looking card. I have nothing else to say. I, I just think it's a good card and um, looking forward to Scarlet Violet. Okay. Moving on to Yu-Gi-Oh! this week. Here we go. All right. Uh, not much on the horizon for Yu-Gi-Oh! We've been waiting for a minute. Something. Like, give us something, right? Um, we'll see how this new set, Amazing Defenders, uh, is, is going to do. Um, this comes out on the 20th, I think. 17th or the 20th? 
I can't remember. Um, but anyways, it's called Amazing Defenders. It is a collector rare set, which I really like. You guys know I like my collector rare sets. The only problem is I did a quick scan through this. I didn't see a lot that I liked. Um, and that's just from a collecting standpoint. There can always be, you know, some new mechanics and and they can also you know make things better kind of like what they did with darkwing blast and power of the elements you can always add on to an expansion that's cool um but when you take a look at the set itself here this releases on the 20th that's right okay um i'm getting i'm getting ta tactical masters vibes right now tactical masters had like scapegoat in there um also had a stroll lock and bird in there but I'm not, I didn't see much here in Amazing Defenders, so I'm getting, I'm getting ta Tactical Masters vibes, maybe a little bit of Genesis Impact, Ancient Guardians, it's, it's kind of a middle of the line collector rare set, there's no real oomph in it, um, but uh, yeah, 60 card set, pretty small, they're going to be adding uh, rescue bots here, you got the X Pearly, uh, XYZ, and uh, Ritual Monsters. Uh, and that, that's pretty much it. 15 collector rare sets. One foil card per pack. Six rare cards per pack. So again, the, with the collector rare sets, you're getting all rares. And then you get one foil or and or a bigger hit. Um, kind of drops down the value of those rares and the supers. But we'll see. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm not following the meta too much right now. So usually when I start opening this stuff and I'm like, oh, wow, this is actually good bulk. Or it's not, you know, I, I'm just not sure just yet. I haven't looked too far into it. I was a little upset when I went into this set and I didn't see any collector rares that were like, knock your socks off. Awesome. So not much on the Yu-Gi-Oh! Horizon. I think we're all waiting for the re-release of the 25th anniversary boosters from the legacy sets. You got LOB, MRD, uh, PSV, MRL. If they do Magic Ruler, they're probably gonna do Spell Ruler. Um, but uh, Invasion of Chaos, IOC. So a lot of cool stuff coming this summer. Which I think we're excited for. So a lot of that, a lot of this new stuff that Yu-Gi-Oh is putting out may get overshadowed by the 25th anniversary. Pretty normal. You saw it with Pokemon too. I wouldn't be surprised you see it with Yu-Gi-Oh. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's there's nothing wrong with sitting on the bench, you know, for four to six months and saying, hey, I'm I'm out of the Yu-Gi-Oh game until the 25th anniversary, and because I want that stuff more than anything. And I think that's a good play. That's kind of where I'm leaning. We'll see. Just kind of play it by ear, you know. Okay, that's it for the Yu-Gi-Oh! news. Moving on to Digimon this week. Here we go. All right. Digimon this week. We got a couple of things here. First thing I want to talk about, we'll talk about some modern. Then we're going to talk about some vintage. Uh, this is something that just keeps coming across my desk here. And I don't know what to think of it. So when I don't know what to think, I just have to look at the stats. Look at the analytics and and say that it is what it is, and um, I don't really have an opinion on this. It's just kind of a kind of a hunch, and I'm a little torn because the suggested su suggested rarity of this Alphamon that you see here um, would suggest that that. It should be similar to the Omnimon, but we're just not seeing it. And this is why we have the Poke Tower Commandments, right? Character, 
character, Alphamon, artwork, which I think is a home run, uh, rarity, another home run, the set that it's in, mm, okay, debatable, um, and then no story, no glory. Mm, not as much story and glory as Omnimon, at least to mainstream, you know, Digimon supporters. Um, but this Alphamon, you know, it's it's just kind of not doing what I think most of us thought it was going to do. Now, remember when we said this about Omnimon? It's kind of not doing what, what we thought it was going to do. However, that was very short-lived. Very short-lived. Let me see if I can get into this real quick. Um, hold on. Let me uh, shrink that down. There we go. So, this is what I want to talk about. This Alphamon... He's down, he's down to as low as 570, 550 on TCG player. And if you take a look at this price chart here, this is over the last month. I mean, it just keeps plummeting uh, leg after leg. And you got the same pricing information if you look at the three-month chart over here. Um, but, you know, Omnimon's floating at around 900 to 1100 raw. And it's PSA 9 is also somewhere around that ballpark. Um, Here's the weird thing is that a PSA 9 for the Alphamon is only a population of five. There are none graded higher. And the last PSA 9 sold for 900 bucks. So whether you like the card long term, whether you like it short term, whether you just like the rarity, whether you hate the card, let's, let's just talk about this. There is value to be had here. Lots of value to be had here. Um, you know, you, you could buy a card here for five seventy, five fifty. Um, now I'm not saying it's going to be gem mint, but according to the stats, you may not need gem mint. PSA nines are holding that nine hundred, possibly a thousand dollar price point, um, and with PSA's new pricing methods, that's not an issue, right? Uh, because you can. You can pay $75 for a 10-day turnaround. Max declared value is $1,500. You guys see where I'm going with this? The Omnimon is $900 raw. Sells in a 9 for very similar prices. So it's like, you know, why am I going to grade this? Why would I even consider selling it? You know, it just doesn't make a lot of sense here. It's like either I pull it or I don't. But it's just too, it's, it's so far out of reach for an average collector and then when you look at the graded value, you're like, well, you know, I'll spend some money for a good grade. And it's like, pfft, raw is the same. What are, what are we doing here? When you look at Alphamon, same rarity. We're, we're expecting, you know, one in two, one in three cases. And you can get them for, you know, let's just say 600. Let's say 600. You grade it for 75. You're in 700 bucks. You're in $700 by the time you get this thing back in 10 days, right? Um, and you could potentially sell it for 900. It's not, it's not, you know, 50%. It's shoot. It's barely 25%, but you can do that when you're, when you have a $900,000 card, you know, that's, that's okay. That's, there's nothing wrong with those types of margins. And then you think about the long term. think, well, I'd say medium to long term, but think about Omnimon. You know, he did drop down to about 500 bucks. And all those people who bought around five, 600, they're doing great right now. They're doing great. They gained a couple hundred in value. 
So maybe the maybe if if I'm in the Alphamon market, what I'm thinking, I buy raw at 550, 575. I work my magic. I try to get it for the cheapest price possible. And I just hold raw. Because you guys hear me say this all the time. A grail today, a true grail, a real grail today will be a grail tomorrow, will be a grail next year. So it doesn't really matter when you grade it because it will always be valuable. The, the value doesn't leave. Now, it may ebb and flow a tad, but it never leaves. So if you're hesitant to say, well, you know, if I'm going to put 600 on this guy, I don't think I want to grade it just to get 900. Okay, maybe you just drop the 600 and then you vault it away. Let it sit in your collection and call it a day. When these cards go up to 900, 800, 900 in raw value, I think your grading would then be justified. Or you just keep it raw. There's nothing wrong with that either. Um, but I keep looking at this and I'm like, man, there may not be, there may not be many other opportunities to get this card this cheap. We saw this when I showed you guys the Pokemon charts, right? Everything had this steady climb up, boom, down, and it can only stay there for so long before people realize this is cheap. I should probably be buying these. And then they buy them up, and that supply at, at the $500 mark is ate up. It's not there anymore, non-existent. Um, so I, I would consider getting one of these because I don't know how much longer you're going to be able to get one for under $600. Um, when you look at the sales data on TCG Player, about one, they sell about one per week. One per week. If you, if you pull up that sales data, you can see how it went from 750, 800, and it kind of curved down. And now you're seeing 599, 580, 570. Great prices. Um, and uh, if you're into leveling up your game, I think this is a, a high rarity card that is not being paid attention to. That's, that's where I'm going with this. Um, will I get one? I'm not sure. But if I had to choose between this and an Omnimon right now at the same price, I mean, not the same price, but given their perspective prices, I would, I would say Alphamon's the way to go. I really would. Um, there's just, I think there's value there that, that hasn't been realized. And uh, who knows? Maybe we'll check. Maybe we'll check in six months and see where this Alphamon's at. But I think... I think you're in a good position. And again, okay, let's say you buy at 570 and it drops to 500 and then bottoms out. That's not terrible, right? That's not terrible at all. Um, something about these pool rates like suggests to me that people aren't pulling it as much. It's a pop five and a PSA nine. It's been out for a few months now. The Omnimon went through the roof. So I don't know exactly what to think. I can only look at the numbers here and say, this makes sense, right? These things make sense to me. Who knows? Come up with your own answers. Um, and yeah, I, I think this is a, one of the top Digimon cards you should be getting right now. I, I just, I think it's undervalued. And, and the, the rarity merits that. You look at Bardock, you look at Vegeta, God rares, right? You're getting them every so many cases, you only get one. This is the same deal. So we have, it's the same product. It's Bandai. Bandai really, ba people really respect God Rares. You could consider this some sort of God Rare, right? Um, it's the same level of rarity in terms of Digimon, like to the Omnimon. Omnimon and Alphamon, these are the same, same rarity pool. Um, 
from what we know. And uh, I think if you truly respect rarities, then you would say, yeah, I think this is underpriced. Okay. I think I ran it on a little long about that one. Moving on. We got some more Digimon news, though. Check this out. We got Street Starters today. So uh, our Discord member, CT, gave us the update that Street Starters are now Digibattle, right? 2000 Digibattle. Street Starter cards are... Um, what am I trying to say? They are eligible eligible for grading now at PSA. It's good. Um, now, I don't want to get burned for this, but... To me, these cards are absolutely hideous. All right, so the, st the Street Starter, Metal Gurumon, hideous. The Street Starter, War Greymon here on the right-hand side, hideous. Uh, however, overall, overall, I think it's good. I think it's very good that this stuff is gradable now because people who don't want to break the bank on vintage Digimon cards have an option. It's going to bring in more people than it would keep out. That's good. I'm really happy about that. Now, what I don't think, this is what I don't, this is, this is my opinion. What I don't think is that it's not going to hold, hold a light to these, to the Metal Groomon booster pool or to the War Greymon booster pool. Um, these guys are far more abundant. You can find them all over the internet. And the thing that really makes me mad, that frustrates me, is that these sellers will catch wind that you can grade them and they're already upping up the price of these. And it's like, come on, they're not, they're not that great, right? Like you don't need to, don't sell the farm for these. You don't need to. Um, I mean, it's just, it is what it is, right? Like I don't view these, like, I don't look at these cards, the starter, the street starters as like Yu-Gi-Oh starter deck foils, right? Because Dark Magician, Blue Eyes, White Dragon, those are a big deal. In a high grade, those are a big deal. Um, but these cards, they never they never reach that level of legacy, right? Um, that's the difference. And I hope people aren't trying to draw that line like, well, you know, starter deck for Pokemon, big deal. Starter deck for Yu-Gi-Oh, big deal. What about Digimon? It's like, no. I mean, no. If anything, if you, if you really wanted to go that route, then you could say, well, Street Starter, the very first starter decks, right, that have um, Saber Leomon in them, those would be the ones you want because those are the ones that everyone had. And those are insanely abundant. So that tells me that everyone had them. Um, that's where, like, I would go. Like, this, that's the starter deck that I had as a kid. So... <sighs> I'm glad that it's, I'm glad this, I don't want to sound like I'm complaining. I'm glad that we're doing this. This is good. It's going to bring more eyes on Digibattle. But the problem is, is we don't have the education. <laughs> we don't have the bodies out there, like, to be like, hey, awesome cards. However, the rarity is just not there for these. You know what I mean? I don't want to see people get got on starter deck cards. I don't. Um. I'd be willing to bet that there are more starter deck cards than there are booster pools out there. Um, and then just, I mean, look at the artwork too. I, I would say that the booster pool artwork is superior to the starter deck uh, 
artworks. And that's not me being mean. It's just, I mean, look at them. Come on. What kind of angles do we got there for the Metal Guru Mon and the War Greymon? It's not my favorite. This is not my favorite. Um, and that's a big thing for me as a collector. I got to like the way the card looks. Very rarely do I buy a card that looks like trash. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. There are some cards. You know, there's some. Um, but there's a, there's a bit of nostalgia that's added to it, I guess. So, like, you could say, like, the Venusaur from base set. You know, that is just a nostalgic look for me. So, I'm like, I love that card. And it may not be the best artwork of Venusaur, but I love it. Here, I'm just not tied to it, right? Um, and and to this just looks like, you know, I guess I would say don't sell yourself short. That's, I think that's what I'm getting to. And I don't mean don't sell yourself short by not getting starter deck cards. What I mean is, is that if you're setting out to get the best Digimon cards, the best is still in the boosters. That's just the truth. Um, they cost more, but I think you will respect it more. Um, and I think other people will respect it more. So like, man, hard, hard to say what, what I, what I mean. Um, I'm just, I'm glad that they're doing it. I guess that's the only thing is that I'm, I'm glad that I'm glad that PSA is doing this and I'm big picture wise, big picture. I'm happy that PSA is seeing more Digimon. They need to, they need to get more experienced. Uh, we need their workers having Digimon hit their show, uh, you know, their desk weekly, monthly. That needs to keep happening so they don't forget about it and they keep giving Digimon some love that it needs. That's how it's going to grow. Um, but for me, you know, I, I got my starter deck cards a long time ago. Uh, will I grade them? Sure. They're on the back burner. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to put these at the front of my pile just because they're eligible now. I don't really care. You know, that's just kind of where I'm at. Um, I'm not going to beat these up too much anymore. Um, they're available. If you got them and you collected them, it's great. If these are the cards you had when you were a kid, great. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not against any of that. Um, I guess the biggest thing though, is just like, know your history. Don't get things twisted. I don't want people saying that these starter deck cards are the rarest thing. Don't do that. You know what I mean? Like there, there will be people that pervert this information. That's what I don't want. And I think that's what I'm getting at. Okay, I'm not going to beat it up anymore. That, that, that was literally it. I think, I think I got it out. Don't pervert the information. That's what it is. Okay. Now, we're done with Digimon. We got a new segment. Brand new segment. I know we said we're going to wait till episode 120. We're going to do it now at episode 117. Marvel, this new segment is called Excelsior. Here we go. All right. Excelsior. What does Excelsior mean? That was a slogan or a motto like coined by Stan Lee. He put it at the end of all of his um, comic strips and things like that. Um, and I figured, hey, that's probably the best thing to call this segment. So Excelsior, that's the segment. Uh, you guys in the Discord said you wanted to learn about some superhero cards. You want to learn about Marvel. Okay, we could do that. Um, I figured the best way to start would be from the beginning. So today, what we're talking about is 1966 Marvel Don Russ. This would be the oldest and first set of Marvel cards. Um, as you can see on this box right here, it was five cents at one time. 
five cents a pack, I believe. Um, and then you look at the wax pack now. Look at that. 1966 Marvel Superheroes wax pack. PSA 8, $1,000. Uh, so I think, I think with anything, before you start collecting, I think you should always know your history behind stuff. So that way you don't get snake oiled into buying something that actually isn't rare. Digimon is a great example of that. A lot of people fall into Digimon. They're like, oh, I'm going for WarGreymon. I'm going for Omnimon. And then someone along the way is like, hey, I don't have those cards, but check this out. This one's really hard to get. Someone gets got. They get upset. The cycle continues, and they everyone's just ripping each other off. We don't need to do that. Marvel has a very documented and large history uh, to pull from. And today we're going to talk about their first set from 1966. Here we go. So this is the uh, Don Russ Marvel Super Heroes trading cards. When it comes to comics, a first appearance is often equivalent to a rookie card. This is something you'll see a lot with superhero cards. Let's say first appearance. Excuse me. The 1966 Marvel Don Russ Superheroes is seen as the first set of trading cards featuring Spider-Man, Captain America, and other marquee names in the Marvel Universe. Now, the cards themselves, they're not very flattering, I'll tell you that. Um, so you really have to root yourself in the history of Marvel and the starting point of Marvel. That's what makes it significant. It's not so much the artwork because we know there are Marvel cards out today that look amazing. But I would say don't turn a blind eye to this 1966 set. Okay. Don Russ Marvel Superheroes is a 66-card set. The checklist is broken down into a six 11-card sections. So they have six sections of cards, 11 cards each, each showcasing a different hero. Hero, hero, wow, hero. Captain America kicks off the set with the first 11 cards. So you got 11 Captain America cards. He's followed by Iron Man. I'd be a fan of that. Uh, then you got Daredevil, Spider-Man, the Hulk, and Thor. Card fronts are done to look like a comic panel. The full artwork features the work of era greats like Steve Ditko. Rather than taking serious tone, the cards opt for gags, corny jokes. Okay, so you're going to see a lot of one-liners that are trying to be funny. They're probably not funny, but it is what it is. <clears throat> this trend would continue in other early sets of Marvel trading cards. 14 cards have no caption, and other than encouraging characters to write your own. As a result, a good chunk of these succumbed to being scribbled on and personalized. So what Marvel did is they did a write-your-own caption card for, throughout the set, and you could write your own caption, be funny, and if you happen to find these cards, it's likely that someone wrote in on those captions. So that would be something I guess you could collect, but I'm... My first instinct is that you'd want to go for something that doesn't have the caption on it and it's left blank. That'd probably be better in terms of grading. All right. Uh, where, where am I at here? Uh, card backs fit together to form a large labeled puzzle of all featured heroes. This is pretty popular back then in the 60s. Uh, Marvel superheroes packs come with five cards and a piece of gum. They originally cost five cents each. Full boxes have 24 packs. Seeing as how Marvel trading cards have taken off, particularly the early 1900s, 1966 Don Russ, 1990s, my bad, <laughs> particularly since the 90s, 
The 66 Marvel superheroes is very significant set. Singles are relatively inexpensive in raw condition. Professionally graded copies can cost much more. Centering is an issue for many of the cards. Now that's true. If you go on eBay right now, guys, you can find some of these 1966 cards raw. Anywhere from $5 to like 20 bucks. Not bad. Uh, but go look at the graded market. People are asking for 80, 100 plus. It, it's, it's nuts. So there you guys go. That's a quick look here. Let me see if I can take a look at this card here. I can't. Here's the checklist. Uh, if you guys want to take a look at this in the Discord, I'll share it. I'm sure you'll just Google it and, and find your own stuff here. Um, but I can tell you right, right now, I would, if I wanted to start collecting Marvel today, I would be going for the Iron Man cards in this set. And then I would actually, I would try to find all the Iron Man cards and then pick my favorite ones. Um, there are some sweet looking cards. And then, you know, the, again, the story with these may not be, may not be the, the quirky artwork with the silly captions. That may not, may not be your biggest pull to this, but it's the first of its kind from the 60s. Um, and these are considered the rookie cards for the perspective heroes that are shared. So if you're a big Spider-Man fan, first time you're going to see him on a card is right here. I think that's big. I think that's significant. I think that has enough story to carry any other weaknesses that the cards may have themselves, even in a low grade. Check out the grades on eBay. Check out what people are getting for them. It's pretty crazy. Um, that's going to sum it up for Excelsior this week. That's the first new piece of content, new segment for... Uh, Poke Tower podcast. We're going to be covering some Marvel superheroes cards. Um, and we'll just keep doing this every week. Learn as much as we can, get better as collectors, and hopefully we'll find some stuff that you like. And uh, yeah, we'll all share it. Okay. That's it for Marvel. But we got something else. I told you there was something else at the beginning of this podcast. You guys, you guys spoke and, and I listened. We're going to be talking about some sports cards. Here we go. All right. Now, for most of you that don't know, I got my start in trading cards in 2018. Matter of fact, this is one of the first cards I pulled. So, this is a 2018-2019 Panini Threads rookie card of Michael Porter Jr. This is what I was buying in 2018 before COVID. I would go to Target once a week and pick up a booster pack or even a hanger box of Panini threads. It cost like 18 bucks back then. Um, and it was abundant. It was all kinds of stuff, right? So Luca was a big deal in 2018. Um, and that was really all I was looking for. I was trying to get Kobe cards too. I remember that. I was just, and like, I didn't know as much as I did now. So when I would get like a cool insert that had foil on it, absolutely thrilled. They didn't know. Back then, in 2018, I didn't know that there were retail boxes and hobby boxes. So I didn't realize that no matter how good my pools were, they were from a retail box. They weren't ever going to be crazy valuable, although they do have some value, depending on who you get. Especially, I didn't even know that, you know, Panini Threads was not even that good. I, you know what I mean? I, I didn't know that Prism was a thing. Didn't know Optic, didn't know Don Russ, like none of that stuff, right? It was just like, hey, sports cards, boom, let's go. And it was fun. I had a blast. Um, I remember pulling a Luka Doncic rookie card just like this. And I kept it. I kept it in a shoebox for two years. And it was in a sleeve, but it was in a shoebox for two years. 
Um, and that same Luca, I graded it in 2020 after I got my PSA account and I got a PSA 10 and I sold it for like 400 bucks. And I was, I was like thrilled, right? I was like, that's the first rookie I ever pulled. I remember pulling that Luca and I was like, this is, I can do this. This is fun. And I, little did I know, you know, pull rates are kind of hard and I was actually lucky to have that. But, um, that's where I got my start. So it was, it was primarily basketball cards, some football, some baseball. Um, nowadays I'm going strictly for football or like UFC. That's kind of, I think that's where I want to plant my roots. Um, basketball. I love Kobe. I love Jordan. I hate everyone else. You know what I mean? It's just one of those, like, it sucks. I think the players, the players carry themselves a little differently. And it's very hard for me to like someone who says, says stuff I don't agree with all the time. It's very hard. It's like, look, man, I love you for your sports. That's what I want to see. You know what I mean? Um, but uh, it's, it's hard. It's hard when, when you feel like you're being preached to by, you know, your favorite sports players. So you're like, man, I, I, I just want to watch you play. That's, that's why you're really good at basketball. Like I, I want to watch, but the NBA in general, you know, even, even some of the statements that like Adam Silver's made, like I don't just, I don't know. It's different. They handle themselves. The NBA has handled itself really weird as an organization in recent times. And, uh, for me, it's turned me away from the sport. And I can tell you as a, as a Lakers fan, I have not watched the Lakers since LeBron joined the team. And I'm not a LeBron hater. I just, I don't like him on the Lakers. I don't like him on the Lakers. I would have much rather kept the rookie core that the Lakers had before they gutted the team. So, um, very hard for me to watch sports, but that's not what we're talking about. That was just a quick background on, on, why, on where I've been with this stuff. Um, and then you guys said that, you know, you wanted to learn about it. And it was actually kind of crazy that we have all these guys in our Discord for TCGs a lot, of the, a lot of people want to learn about sports, and they're like, well, I don't know where to start. So I figured, okay, the first thing we got to do is talk about the different rarities so that you guys know what you're looking at. Um, because a big, a big phenomenon that happened with the COVID burst were base cards. So if you don't know what a base card is, it's literally the lowest rarity of a specific card. For example... Let me see if I can get this here. Um, this LeBron right here, right? This says Silver Prism uh, on the right-hand side, right? It says Silver Prism. If that didn't say Silver and there was nothing there, this would be a base version of this card, just base. So um, we'll explain, but a, a base version would be like a, a reverse hollow, I guess you could say, like or a non-hollow. It's just this card... At its lowest form with no special foiling, no serial numbers, no autographs. It's just the lowest level. And, and you can find multiple prints of this card like, you know, um, we'll get into it here. It's, it's the best way I can explain it. But another word that you'll often find is refractor. The word refractor scares a lot of people. It sounds fancy. Uh, the word refractor is actually a word that got coined. It's another word for hollow. It's another word for foil. That's what it is, okay? Uh, but today we're going to take a look at a refractor guide so I can teach you guys about the different rarities that you're going to see, okay? That's what we're going to be looking at. That's not what I wanted to do. Go back. Here we go. 
All right, there it is. Ultimate Panini Refractor Guide. So this is for Panini, one of the brands that you would buy from. Okay, so in sports cards, you have multiple brands. You have Don Russ. You have Bowman. You have Panini. Um, you have... Um, let me see if I can think of another one. Oh, blah, 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 blah. Fleer would have been one, but they don't come out anymore. Leaf, right? So all these different brands... And then those brands make different lines of cards, okay? So Panini, for example, you have Panini Prism. You could have Panini Select, Panini Certified, right? It's all kinds of, there's different, it's just a different set is what you should say, okay? It's a different set, but Panini would be the brand. Um, you have like Optic, um, Don Russ optic, right? So like this is, I don't want to get too deep. I'm trying to keep it very simple, but today we're going to be talking about Panini, the brand Panini and the, the word refractor. What does that mean? How do I know what card is what? Okay. Here we go. So this is a great example actually right here. Good. Perfect. So, um, in 1993, this is a big year for the hobby. Sure, most of the cards from 1993 fall into the junk wax era. However, it marked the birth of an innovation that would revolutionize the hobby. We're going to be talking about refractors. The refractor. So in 1993, they released the refractor. It's a name. It's a rarity. It first appeared in the release of the 1993 Topps Finest Baseball Set. At that time, a refractor wasn't even denoted differently than the base cards. And this is where people kind of get confused. Fast forward nearly three decades and refractors are among the most sought after cards in the hobby. Remember, replace refractor with hollow and it'll start to make sense. Hollow or foil, it'll start to make sense very fast. Given the demand, we look at Pernini refractors as, and answer the most burning questions. These include what are refractors, what are the different types, and why you should invest in them. So in this picture here, this guy right here on the left-hand side, all the way in the top left-hand corner. Okay, right here. That is a base card. You see, it, even though it's silver and it may have some foil to it, there's no color in that foil. It's just a kind of like a reverse hollow in Pokemon. It's just got foil on it. Then you have pink foil. You got the um, red, white, and blue look. You got purple, red. Right. And then there's different patterns in here. So like some have a wavy look, some have a prism look, some have some may have a cracked ice look, some may have a disco. These are all just different colors. But basically, you have the base here and then you have all kinds of different rarities. Now, you might say, well, that's stupid, confusing. How do I know which one's the best? This is where knowing the set comes in. When Panini makes a certain set. They'll often publish on, on the box or even on a website. They'll say, okay, um, you know, short printed cards are going to be pink, purple, and blue. Super short printed cards are going to be, you know, green and orange and red. And then the ultra hit is going to be, you know, this disco red at the bottom. And like, it could be that simple, right? Um, or look for, look for the platinum rare number, serial numbered to 30 or serial numbered to 10. Or look for the gold foil. Like, they'll tell you exactly what the hit is. You have to read those details, though. Um, but normally, you'll have different looks. 
<clears throat> and these are all the different rarities you can get. Okay. Doesn't mean that this isn't bad. Like, oh, pink is just a level higher than base. It sucks. It's like, no, it's still good. Okay. If you you don't you want to stay away from base unless you're just collecting your favorite player and you don't care what it is, but like in terms of gaining value, you want these higher rarities. Okay. All right. So what are for what are refractors? Refractors are covered in a thin foil that refracts light in a variety of colors. Their refracting property is, of course, what gives them their name. Very simple, okay? Hollow. Here's a bit of history. The Topps company registered a trademark for their brainchild to prevent other companies from copycatting what they're doing. All right. Of course, other companies still mimic the rainbow foil, but they couldn't legally call them refractors. Okay? Therefore, Panini started calling them prism cards. That's what you got here. You got prisms. Okay? Panini prisms. Note that technically even in this article's title is wrong since Panini doesn't make refractors. But that doesn't stop collectors from labeling them as such. So you're going to hear a lot of collectors refer to foils, prisms as refractors. It's just kind of a jargon type of term, right? Uh, on top of that, Panini calling its prisms adds confusion since prisms in most popular brand and prism are called silver prisms. If you need to reread that paragraph three more times, I don't blame you. The point is Panini refractors are called prisms and everybody wants them. So again, I pulled a refractor, pulled a prism, as long as you're talking about Panini, right? Okay, now Panini has a line called optic, right? There's a, there's a set called optic, Panini optic. Then the refractors are called hollows. And again, these are just all jargon terms. But the biggest thing that you need to realize is that this type of foil is different than this matte silver look here, okay? The role of refractors in the hobby. Not only do refractors look great, but they function to add scarcity to collecting. Well, Panini doesn't make life any easier by failing to disclose its odds or print runs. Therefore, we have to use some hypothetical numbers. Just from ripping Prism, it's clear that Prisms are relatively scarce. For example, if you open an 80-card box of Prism, you may only get two silvers. From that alone, we can under understand the impact on the price. Okay? Pulling Prisms is good, guys. You want to pull Prisms. Imagine, for the sake of illustration, there are 100,000 base base level John Morant cards printed. In that case, there may be about a thousand silver prisms printed. The limited number creates scarcity and makes the silver prisms sell for significantly more. This is why you don't want base. It's a great example right here. Then compare the thousand silver prisms to a 199 blue prism. And this is what I was talking about, guys. Let's say silver is a step above base, but then the next one is blue. Oftentimes, those cards will be serial numbered to 199. Sometimes they're not, but most times a higher rarity is going to yield some sort of serial number on the card. The blue prism would be five times more rare than the silver, meaning it will sell for even more. Panini knows what they're, do what they're doing as it continues to add different colors and designs of the refractors. So again, you can get a blue refractor or a blue prism, and then there could be three different blue prisms. What I'm trying to say is that there could be a cracked ice blue prism, a blue velocity prism, right? And then the other one could be just a regular blue prism where there's no foil pattern to it. It's just blue. Different rarities. You want to go for the best one. 
Um, and oftentimes what you try to do is color match the player's jersey or whatever, you know, whatever your preference is. <clears throat> As a result, building out a rainbow of all the prisms for your favorite player becomes more difficult every season. How to recognize refractors. This is the easiest way. For silver prisms, the card will refract, refract, reflect a light with a rainbow foil. Again, um, let me see if I have one here. Uh, crud. I don't. Um, I thought I had something here. Okay. Uh, but anyways, a base card will be silver, but there will be no colors when you hit it with light. So it won't have a rainbow foil look. It'll just be silver, and it'll just reflect silver off the light. But a true silver prism has a rainbow coloring to it. Um, the other way you can tell is by looking at the back of the card. So if you ever have any doubt, the Panini refractors are labeled prism on the back. This fact can be beneficial when you're looking through eBay listings with an awful picture. So again, prism right here. You see how it says prism right there? That's how you know. Check the backs. Okay, here's a list of some refractors um, that prism has. You have silver, you have blue wave, you have gold wave, green, green ice, which is what we talked about. You have hyper, orange ice, pink ice, purple wave, red ice, red, white, and blue. Ruby Wave, White Sparkle. Keep in mind, guys, all these are good. They're all good. Some will be more expensive than others because they're inserted at a lower rate. That's all that means. But if you pull a silver of a star player, you're doing pretty darn well. Okay, so don't feel bad if you pull a silver. You shouldn't even feel bad if you pull a base. But what I'm saying is, is don't put your value in the base. Don't do that. And then you got numbered cards, right? So here's the Panini numbered guides. Like for red, they may label them out of 299. Blue, out of 199. Purple, ice, 175. So this is why the colors come in. Black shimmer is a one of one. A black is one of one. Gold is out of 10. And that's pretty normal when you see gold. Uh, if you get a gold insert, it's usually one to 10. Uh, some sets may do out of 25. It depends what the set does. But like most times, the highest rarity is going to be a gold. And then in the really premier sets, you'll see this black shimmer. That's what it's talking about. Special Panini Prisms Guide. Um, so there's 31 different prisms. Um, and there's even more stuff. So like, yeah, this is what they're talking about. They got Nebula. You got Tiger Stripe. Fast Break Prisms. There's even more. Um, I guess the biggest takeaway that I'm trying to tell you guys is like, if you want to dip your foot in this, at least you know now. Right? Hey, I should be looking for color. I should be looking for something that refracts light. I should be looking for stuff that has serial numbers. That's the most baseline foundation I can give you. It's like, hey, at a minimum, if you want to do this at a higher level right off the bat, this is what you need to do. The other thing, which is what we talked about, is eye appeal. Some sports cards collectors will by prisms that match the uniform of the player. Here's an example. Bill Russell, white and green jersey. He's got a green refractor or a green prism. Looks good. Now, that may not be the highest rarity, but it does think of it as like a swirl in Pokemon cards, right? There are people with a fetish for swirls. There are people in the sports cards game with a fetish for matching prisms, regardless of the rarity. So that's kind of how... Some people work. 
and this is a quick look at what the rarity can do to the price of a card. If you look at the base cards, it could cost 160 bucks. Silver goes up to 13. So you're talking 10 X. This is just a, you know, real baseline. This, this is not specific, right? This isn't the same rule for every card. This is just kind of like what you would see, right? Um, look at neon green, 54,000. So these are the different colors and how they affect the prices. Again, if you're pulling color, you're pulling color. That's all there is to it. Um, and it, this is a guide for Panini refractors. It, it changes. Like, again, like I said, Don Russ, Bowman, uh, Tops, they all have different stuff. For the most part, they kind of follow each other. Like, if you see, like, Tops Chrome, Tops Chrome, all the cards are, are foil. But then Silver would have a rainbow look, right? And then Blue and, and so on. It, it, they're very similar across brands. So if you figure one out, you're going to figure out most. But there you guys go. That's our introduction to sports cards. We'll be touching on this weekly. We're going to start small. I would say, this is what I would say. Um, there's two ways. There's two ways to get into sports. And it's the same way you did with your TCGs. Go to the store and get your hands on what you can. That's the first way. Now, that's just go in there and rip what you like and learn, right? You have to learn how these things are inserted. And retail is not a lot of value, so don't think you're going to pull like the next biggest thing. You could. There are still case hits in retail boxes, but it's not, it's not like a hobby box, okay? Um, but what I would say is if, you're, if you need to learn, right, it's, sometimes the best answer is just to dip, get right in and just go buy stuff and rip. And have a good time and, and accumulate some cards. And then you start to realize that shapes you as a person. You're like, okay, I'm not going to buy this anymore. I don't like this product. I don't like this product. I like this product a lot. You know what I mean? And then you're able to define what you want. The only other route would be to, well, I don't want to rip because that's not very cost efficient. I'm going to go buy singles of my favorite cards in the highest rarity that I can afford. That would be my suggestion is go to the store, buy retail. And, and who cares what you pull? Just have fun. Or if you want to take a more calculated route, I would say hunt down your favorite players in your highest rarity and do what you do in TCGs. That's what I would do. Um, the other thing with sports cards, though, is that you could also, you could just buy PSA 10s of your favorite player in a decent rarity. You don't want to buy base cards, right? But in a decent, let's say you buy a silver prism, right? If you buy a silver prism and you buy a guy for 100 bucks, like it's very possible that next season, if he blows up, that silver prism could be up 100%. It's very normal. That takes a little more attention to detail. You got to be deep in sports. But if you're a sports guy and, and you do this stuff all the time, you pretty much know that. You know this stuff. So it's not like you're learning anything new. Um, that would be my, my advice for you guys just starting. If not, just follow along in the podcast and I'm sure we'll find things along the way that help you guys discover what you want to do. All right. That's it for sports this week. Let me know what you guys thought about it. Moving on to the gaming corner. Here we go. All right. Greasy's gaming corner. We're talking about collectible video games. And today we're going to be looking at Super Smash Bros. The, uh, Super Smash Bros. 64. Um, WADA has a variant guide. And uh, we're going to check it out. So here we go. 
This is the variant guide for Super Smash Bros. 64. This is one of my favorite games as a kid. Um, I was always Star Fox and Samus. Those are my favorites. Um, played a lot. Um, you know, getting all the secret characters and all that stuff was great. It's weird, though. I have no desire to play it now. Even if I got this game again, I was like, mm, whatever. I would, I would love to have a box, but... In terms of playing it, I have no desire. I can't even get I can't get into it on the Switch. I can't get into it on GameCube. I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with me. Alright, this one's pretty short and sweet. This is a Super Smash Brothers um variant guide. Wada has established that there are two variants, one printed in USA and one in Japan. So this one's pretty easy, unlike some other variant guides we've seen that kind of we got like a lot of variants. Um so For sealed examples, there are only two ways to identify the variants. The print, contrast, and box flaps. That's pretty crazy um, to be able to catch that. Let's, for an average collector, you, you really got to pay attention because this is the type of stuff I would never look at unless I knew better. Printed in USA has a high contrast, making it significantly darker. And you can kind of see that here, right? So the USA box is darker it just has more contrast look at how dark the mario is in the background here versus the japan print that's one way to tell um i think i think you wouldn't be able to tell if you only had one copy in front of you i, I that's what i think however the good news is is the other way to identify between the two different prints japan versus usa is the locking flaps okay so in the USA, you have locking flaps on both sides. So on the left side of the box, you have locking flaps that go underneath the box. And then on the right side of the box, you have locking flaps. So that means it could be opened up from either side. Whereas the Japan only has it on the left side only. That would be the difference. That, and who knows? Do, do you remember that when you're at like a garage sale? Do you remember that? And you're like, oh, locking flaps. I don't know. It's, it's hard to remember everything all at once. I know we can stash all the data here, but that's something I think about. Like, would I be able to remember that? I'm not sure. Maybe maybe I'm in a hurry. Maybe there's a bunch of people behind me and I'm like getting crowded. You know, who knows? Maybe you don't look as much. Like, I remember when uh, I went to Frankenstein's, it was much harder to evaluate the condition of cards because you got people climbing all over you and getting on, touching you. And you're like, dude, leave me alone. Like, you know what I mean? They're like looking over your shoulder into the freaking shelf you know and like you're just trying to like look at this card and you got guys huddled around you this guy's wheeling and dealing over here this guy's getting ripped off over there this guy stinks you know and like you're like just trying to focus on the condition of this card it could get a little hectic so good thing is is that if you're shopping on ebay i think it's pretty easy to pull this guide up and then say oh yeah this is this is the this is the thing i'm looking at um but uh, that's it that's the only two differences there for the usa and the japan box um, here's another difference here for, for complete in box examples. There are some indicators to differentiate the different uh, variants. One of them being flap box flap codes. This is kind of weird. Uh, even though printed in USA is not definitively written anywhere on the box, the U prefix in the code is what indicates the region it was printed in. So you got the U right here, United States. Not United States. That's what it is. Okay. Uh, another characteristic in the USA box has a built-in cart pocket. Oh, a cartridge pocket. The Japan box has a removable cart tray. Got it. So built-in cartridge pocket. 
for USA and then the Japan one, you can pull it out. We are able to establish what we believe to be the printing order by examining the components in each box. The printed in USA box tends to be earlier components much more consistently with the biggest indication being the pixelated rating cartridge. Frequently being found with this variant, okay. So these are the different types of cartridges. The USA code, you got the pixelated rated E for everyone. The other USA code that you may have, USA one code is a block, blacked out, like blocked um, rated E for everyone. And then the last variant, the solid rating player's choice would be USA code two, which has the player's choice logo on the cartridge and then another solid black E for everyone. There's also two different manual variants. Holy crap. And again, these manuals would be specified by the U. So remember that U that we saw here on the box tab? Again, here on the same thing. So the, the, the manual has a U in the US one. The Japan one does not have a U in that rating there. So looking at the boxes, if you had a USA box, complete in box, you would need the dark box with the locking flaps on both sides. You would need a manual that has the U for printed in US. The pixelated rating code, it's the rated E for everyone, but it's kind of white and pixelated. Or you would, have, you would have the rated E for everyone cartridge, but it would be blacked out, but there would be no player's choice badge. Okay. And then Japan would be the exact opposite of what I just said. Here's the graded pop report. You got uh, 9.6s. Wow. Wow. So there's only 64 total. 64 USA boxes total. And then you got nine Japan boxes. So actually the, the Japanese boxes are more rare in terms of what they're grading. They're just not coming across them as much. So maybe you go search for, you know, an American copy for yourself, Japanese copy printed in Japan, Japan copy for your grading collection. That's, that's what I'm getting here from the pop report. Very good. All right. That's it for Greasy's Gaming Corner. Holy cow. It's been over an hour on this podcast. I was trying to be fast. Oh my gosh. Okay. Moving on to Gengar's Grabs. Here we, where is my button? Hold on. I can't go to Gengar's Grabs without my, here we go. All right, last segment of the day, Gengar's Grabs. This is our segment all about what you guys bought last week, and you share it on our Discord. When you buy something, share it in the, in the Gengar's Grabs tab. You get entered to, to play here. Here we go. Number five this week. Going with Fantasy Champ. That's Nick, all the way from Canada. He's got a select Trevor Lawrence. Okay, so that's, um, that's a rookie card for Trevor Lawrence. But check it out. It's Panini Select. Now here, let's talk about some things here. So this is a die cut, a die cut card, which means it's not a standard card size, right? You can see it's kind of cut around the edges around here. That's just a special type of insert that Panini Select does. Uh, the other thing I want to note is this is not a base level card. How do we know that? Well, when you look at the way the foil hits the light, you can see a rainbow in here. So I would say that this is a Panini Select rookie of Trevor Lawrence, and it's silver. That's what it is. 
Um, they also have different colors of these, right? So there could be like red, blue, orange, same thing. There could be serial numbers on here. All that stuff um, still applies. But there you go. Trevor Lawrence, rookie card in a silver die cast. That's a good card. Um, Trevor Lawrence is actually pretty cheap compared to other star QBs. And it may not be that way for much longer. So if, if you like Trevor Lawrence, if you believe in Trevor Lawrence long term, probably be good to get some um, rookie cards. Okay, number four this week. We got CT. So the cool thing about this is when uh, at the beginning of the year, we did a New Year's Eve or end of last year. We did a New Year's Eve five and a half hour box break where I just ripped through everything I had. Pulled lots of great stuff. CT, who's in our Discord, thought he said that that inspired him. And he was like, you know what? I'm going to rip through all my stuff. So he ripped through a ton of stuff, and it worked out pretty darn well, I'd say. You got one, two, three secret rares, four secret rares. We've got some VMAX, got some trainer gallery, got amazing rares. I would say it worked out pretty good. And had he never ripped that, he would never have these cards. So hopefully, CT, you know. Uh, waits for a good special bulk value from PSA, grades them at 15 bucks a card, and he's on his way to having a nice uh, collectible store. It's a good start there, and I would say that those cards are better out of the packs than they are sitting behind them in the box, never knowing when he could pull. Looked pretty good to me. I'd say so. I think I think those are pretty good hits. All right, number three this week. Top G, also known as JT. This is pretty cool, and this is different. That's why it made it on this week. i never seen anything like this. So this is a um, Lamin Cards, I believe. Uh, BGS9 Lamin Cards of, of Wolverine. Um, super cool because it has both sides of Wolverine on the front and back. Um, all gold, very clean look. i never seen anything like it. And the fact that we just started the Marvel segment this week, Excelsior, I was like, we, we have to. Um, it was just so odd that that all happened, and that's a really cool card. Number two, Mega Man. He comes in number two this week with a Blue Eyes LOB, Legend of Blue Eyes, Yu-Gi-Oh! Booster Pack. Now you say, well, that's cool, but what's so special about it? I mean, I see Yu-Gi-Oh! all the time. This would be this would be the next best thing to first edition. So first edition, we have a stamp here on the right. It says first edition. This right here, this square logo tells you that this was the first original print of Unlimited. So if you go to the store now, you might see Konami logo that has like a banner on it. It's not a square logo. The square logo would identify that you have the next print after first edition. That's significant because those are graded differently at PSA. It won't say reprint. It'll just say LOB. Kind of a big deal if you're a, if you're a, a Yu-Gi-Oh guy. All right, number one, the winner. Fluky. Fluky pulled the Umbreon Secret Rare uh, from Evolving Skies. You know, that's four or five hundred dollar card right now. Possibly more if he even if he grades it. Um, that's a big card. And uh when when you pull something like that, you know, it earns the number one spot because that's a highly coveted card. A lot of people in the hobby want that card right now, regardless of what the market says about it. People just want that. Everyone, everyone wants it. So when you have a card like that that can kind of change the game and how people collect, it's going to win number one. There you guys go. That's our five this week. We got some football, some Pokemon, some Marvel, some Yu-Gi-Oh, and 
some modern grails. There you guys go. That's it for Gengar's Grabs. Remember, you can always send your stuff in to the Discord. You just got to join. All right. That sums it up for episode 117. Thank you guys for watching. Before you go, please like, share, subscribe. Join our Discord because it's free. And if you really enjoy the podcast, you can actually support us by clicking the links down below that says support this podcast. When you do that, you can donate as little as 99 cents per month. And all it does keeps the lights on around here. Goes back to you guys in giveaways. Okay. Thank you guys for watching. Episode 118 next week. Give me your feedback on the podcast. We'll work on it next week. And uh, that's it. I will see you guys soon. Peace.